Have you ever wondered why veterans struggle so much getting back into civilian right? Whether or not you are a veteran, Fight by Betsy Ross is a short book series that has an emotional intense story arc to help spread awareness of those struggles veterans face coming out of the force. Check out the series and more of the fight mission at worldwideweb.fightbetsyross.com. Her latest release, Fight 4, is available now. Healing Hands airs every Monday on channel Healing Hands YYC, hosted by Chanel Bostic. Healing Hands is a massage therapy education show in which Chanel shows you exactly some massage techniques, how to heal, and the basics of getting started. Check it out every Monday at Healing Hands YYC. Click on the link below to subscribe. Hold on a second here. This is always fun. This part of it's always fun. Ah, okay. There we go. I hit the magic button. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is now we we just got the Zoom information that we this is actually live on stream. This is book coach and author too did i get that right is an author as well yeah I'm, I'm trying to become an author i'm still working on actually claiming that title but so so oh well then we'll start there so so <laughs> what's the struggle with the title well i i haven't actually finished a book yet i've started a lot of books have i finished writing a book not yet but i'm good at helping other people finish their books that, that, that that's fantastic well, well we'll get to that part in a bit we're going to talk about you first just okay into, i'm going to try to be encouraging here so my favorite definition of an author came from Isaac Asimov way back in the day. Um, Asimov um, basically said that anybody that writes is an author. It doesn't matter what, who or what or when or how, like you're an author. If you actually put it on the page, you're an author, right? Now, if you get paid for it, you're a professional. But there you go. Right? Let's, I was talking with um, an author and a woman who has a program that helps um, people pursue their writing dreams and she has her people categorized in published and pre-published uh, authors. And I was like, too. I like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah, no, no. Cause everybody's an author. Like, like, honestly, like the whole idea that like, it's an exclusive group is it's not like in terms of, if you decided I'm going to tell a story, I'm going to tell an amazing, amazing, amazing story. And you're actually making the effort to tell said amazing story. Congratulations. You're an author. Yeah, exactly. So you're not there then. Okay, sure. We'll take it. <laughs> you take it. Just take it. Yeah, that's right. So author and book coach extraordinaire Trisha Jen Lore. Did I get that right? Lair. 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 Yes. All right. Trisha Jen Lair, ladies and gentlemen, has joined us on the podcast. She is the final uh, person I got of, I, I'm going to call it the Susie Vidori Four. I met all four <laughs> of you at the. Uh... Susie would love that. Yeah, no, she, I'm seeing Susie later this week, actually, for, uh, for coffee. We, 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 up until, uh, some family stuff, we've been making it like a once a month deal. We just hang out and talk just once a month. Oh, nice. That's so fun. Well, yeah, no, because it is interesting because what, like I being who, like just doing what I've done, I've met so many people and just creating connections with people is really good. And, but the thing is what I've noticed doing this is um you find that a lot of successful people that are actually going to do this like that are serious about this sometimes when you get to the top it's kind of lonely mm -hmm. right because yeah, not a lot of people that are in that same boat so 
I am I would not put myself in Susie Vidori's category of success by any stretch of the imagination. But I've been pursuing my own thing, and she's pursued her own thing, and there's a mutual respect there. Uh, I actually wanted her to write more books. Like I'm being very honest with that because she's really good. So there you go. There, there, there's me waxing with. with uh, is Susie the one who pre-published and published? By the way. No, no, it was a uh, another lady I just met named Danica Bloom. Okay, I meant Danica. Yeah. No. So, no, I, 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 like I said, there, I, I actually, I categorize authors into three groups. This is the okay. writing for passion, just strictly for passion, uh, writing, but has, but has other thing to pursue living with, or is trying to make, or, or C, trying to make this a full career, right? Because every one of them is a different mindset. Like, mm-hmm. and, and there's nothing wrong with any of those mindsets. It's just being honest where you're at with them. Well, and, and just being honest about what your goals actually are, right? And that's a huge conversation to have with people when they're writing is, why are you writing this? What are your actual goals? Because then the feedback you would give them is going to be different, yeah. right? Hello, Miss Jag. Yeah, Jag Trust is going to be one of my guests later this week as well, because uh, she was supposed to be today, but I screwed up. Not just with because I had the, the show tonight we were going to do, so... Ms. Jag, thanks for thanks for coming on on saying a quick hello, um, but she'll be on Friday. But yeah, no, like I said, this this is like it's the cool thing about writing in general is like anyone can be a writer. Like honestly, it's it it's really what it's the game's all about is what you do with it. Exactly right, and some people are slow writers, and they maybe don't always feel like they can claim that title as much because there's the people who write so fast, and writing is writing whether you write two words a week or 10,000, you're still writing. Yep, exactly, exactly. And 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 although I, I do hope it's, for most people, I do hope it's more than two words a week. I mean, I, I don't know how <laughs> I'll be, I, I flip-flop. There are some weeks where I'm like powering out five, six, 7,000 words. And then there are weeks where it's like, oh, forgot to even open my document. <laughs> well, no, that, but that's okay. So right there, so today, like when I'm done here, I have to go get real headphones for later on tonight. That's that's the first thing I got to do. But the second thing I got to do is I'm working on, um, I'm creating social media content for a show I'm launching next week. Oh, cool. Right? And I have to make sure that episode two, is, episode two is done for, is at least ready for review for tomorrow. Um, because episode three is ironically ready for, is already, it's been in, it's been finished and ready for her review for a bit. I just haven't heard back from them yet. So basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get ahead on the episode content as, they, as yeah. I'm releasing a weekly show. First episode is ready to go. Um, I want to make sure I would like to be at like done episode four this week. Like they just be done it. So I'm in a nice comfortable position. And then all I'm doing yes. is, right. I want to be comfortable because comfortable is good. Um, we'll see if I get what I want because um, I, I, I want to get what I want. But I mean, that that's, that's pretty much like the goal right now. And um so uh but i mean that's not writing right that's not me writing that's me doing other things and that's i mean that's normal like you can have and honestly i i would dare say and this is going to sound very very um controversial you don't need to write every day to be here no you do not no you do not not everyone can and i know there are like huge big writers out there i think stephen king's one of the guys who says oh you got to write every day no you don't like not everyone can, not everyone has the ability, the time in their life to do that. Yeah. Um, 
not everyone has just the brain power to do that, right? Like your brain just doesn't work that way. I know people who they think about a story, they walk, they do whatever for weeks before they ever actually sit down and write. Oh, yeah. But I, I would argue that that's part of the process too. Like I, I think what what I will, this is what I will give King. This is where I, this is where I will say I kind of agree with him, kind of. You're always working on the project, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're putting pen to paper. True. Right, right, right. That, True. right. I think, I think you have to, if you're serious about it, you have to work on it in some form or fashion. Like, like, so the book I'm getting ready to send out and all that stuff that um, actually Jag is actually one of my beta readers for. And actually, so far, I'm, I'm, I'm two and zero when it comes to beta readers so far that they're like, they all give me the same feedback. Where's the rest of it? <laughs> so that's good. Yep. That's a good, mm-hmm. that's a good space to be in. Um, and I'm trying to have, and that, that's it. So like, I'm trying to get all that nailed down. So, because I, I'm waiting for the agent query to open, I'm going to open. So I just want to give it to her. It's like, here we are, it's done. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of in like a rush, but I'm also working on it for not just that, but also where I want to go with the series when, and if I, I, uh, continue it. Right. So, yeah. Right. So I kind of know what book two kind of is book three is in my head right now as an inkling of an idea that's it's an inkling, yeah right yeah oh that's where I'm at too yeah like book one keeps getting kind of shuffled around just to try and make it work and book two and book three are all they're just sitting back there just waiting and they're saying yeah. hey I, I I got so I got so I have another uh books book series oh, okay good yeah yes Jack I am working I'm working on it it it, it, it it's it's like yeah, it's it's just about done. I'm literally in the last couple chapters, and then I have to, I'm going to do a revision because there's a couple chapters I already know when I wrote them. It's like I rushed this. I wanted to get it down. <laughs> I rushed this. Yeah. I need to get I mean, right. Uh, there's a couple spots I need to I need to really highlight, and then I'll, then I'll send it off, and I'll be like, okay, here you go, start to finish. It, and, and I, I and then I go to the agent. Please, please accept us so I can be. What's your rich. book about? So it's about uh, a former knight. Uh, so in my story, the Knights of the Round are evil. They got converted Ooh. to evil. Okay. And it's about this former assassin I used to work with them. Now is trying to kill them all, and then things just get complicated from there. Interesting. So kind yeah. of a fantasy. Ur- urban fantasy slash. So I'm a big fan of. Um, have you ever heard of the Parker novels? Sounds familiar, but I can't really place it. Well, okay. Have you ever seen the movie Parker with Jason Statham? I think I've seen previews for it. Okay. Have you? Okay. We'll, we'll try one more. Payback with Mel Gibson. That's an older one. No. Okay. So there's these crime novels, right? And then I this is so this the, the for me I actually came at this from a completely different angle, but this is what people they're, they're kind of famous crime novels about a dude named Parker. And he's a he's a thief, a thug, kind of a kind of like he he's not a nice guy, but he's got a code of honor. Like he does things by a certain code, right? He has a, he has morals. They're just not our morals exactly, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but I love that world. I love that kind of concept. So I decided, well, what I could do like my own take on that. And what what sold me on that idea was um, Darwin Cook was an is a comic book artist. He did okay. a graphic like like a novel is but he illustrated it right and it looks so badass i was like i want this for something like this in my own personal collection of things i've released 
that was the whole idea behind it. So now this story in particular, if I really want to tell, but I've said this before, it's really, it's a love, it's ironically a love story. I didn't expect it to be, but it's about the fear of falling in love just as much as it is about someone trying to kill evil versions of the Knights of the Round. Right. And I surprised myself because the villain in the first book is not the villain I expected it to be in the first book. Oh, fun. So you're a bit of a discovery writer then. Uh, um, I, I call myself a planter. A planter? <laughs> I have a I have a general idea where a story goes. Like I know where the story starts. I know where the story ends, usually. But the middle is kind of up in the air, right? Because okay. it's kind of yep. like, um, I've learned this. Usually your characters are more right than you are. Yep usually so you have to you tend to you have to kind of go with the flow with that right now this one i've had a little bit more control i, I mentioning susie again real quick i did her inside outline thing it actually did a really good job of, of painting a picture um, it's a great tool yeah uh but um there's still there were still surprised like i like the, during the last couple of weeks of writing like the villain of the story is not quite who I expected it to be. And mm -hmm. I kind of bait and switch the reader a little bit. And I kind of feel bad about it, but I kind of don't because it's gonna lead to something better down the road. So I gotta make sure it's it, it's uh um one of the characters I introduced is it so I based Percival, who's the first knight in the story, a little bit off of Rasputin. Oh, interesting. I, I I decided if, if Percival was going to be corrupted, he'd be an evil salesman type, charismatic salesman type that she'd want to punch okay. in the face. And so I essentially made him, and because of the nature of the Holy Grail, I decided to make him an evil genie is basically what I did. Ooh, fun. Yeah. There you go. I decided to make him an evil genie just based on the, just based on the concept of what the Holy Grail actually does, right? Which is mm -hmm. right. It's like, it kind of grants a wish. Well, Percival is kind of defined by the tragedy of what happened when he discovered the Grail the first time, right? It, it made him heroic because in 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 fiction he used that to to make himself a better person, like kind of like like Peter Parker's with great power comes great responsibility is originally a Percival thing, like that literally. Oh, okay. Yeah, Percival. Reading the reading the story of Percival ruined most modern fiction for me. I'm just gonna say that straight up, ruined it. Right, because it's pretty much uh, it pretty much is the basis of a most uh, most modern most movies, most books we read have that formula in the story somehow, some way. So interesting. Uh, um, but um, but the thing is, uh, with with um, with the, this idea, it's like okay. So the, the reason why the knights are evil is because in my version of Camelot, Morgan Le Fay wins. She's laughing. She can see it in her head. I'm intrigued. I'm very yeah. intrigued. Let me know when this book's available. Yeah, I, I, might, I might try to rope you into, into baiting it. See? <laughs> it's a little bit. It's a little bit outside of my usual um, genre. I, 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 I think you'd be okay with it. It, it, it it's it. I definitely. I would be lying. Are you? Have you read Alana Andrews by any chance? No. Oh wow. Your romance, uh, yeah, she does. She, they're they they're a husband and wife romance novelist team. So oh, okay. I'm somewhat basing I'm somewhat basing 
one of my I'm a big Kate Daniels fan like I like like which is the which is now that's more the other fantasy with a touch of romance than say uh you know romance with a touch of fantasy but mm-hmm. yeah no I definitely I definitely 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 um uh how do I put this I definitely uh yeah, there's definitely a bit of a, there is a tiny bit of a romance element here. Like I said, I didn't expect that. Like, so when we were talking about like plots and plans, it's like, okay, we're going to, her mission simple, kill this evil version of the night of the round. And then life mm-hmm. just gets complicated from there. That's that, that, that I, I, I like that idea of taking a character that's relatively simple and then just complicating their lives because that, that, that they hate yeah. that shit. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, I once heard John Irving speak. Yeah. Um, and he spoke about how when he's writing his books, he thinks about, okay, what needs to happen next? What's the worst thing that could happen to this character? Okay. Like, how okay. can I make it even worse? And then that's what he writes. And at first I was like, oh, that's so mean. But I'm like, but that's what makes an interesting story. Right? Like it doesn't. Yeah. The only thing I would tell, I would say with him is I don't think, I don't think you always have to make it, um, the worst thing well it right? doesn't necessarily do need think, to be the worst think... thing but it needs to be the worst thing for that whatever they think is the worst so even if it's like a teenage girl the worst possible thing is if you know the girl that she wants to be friends with the popular girl says ew gross go away that for that character is the worst thing in that moment that could happen right I see. I, I tend to. Ha- I see. I, I. I don't always think it has to be the worst. It can be absurd too. Yes. It can be <laughs> true, absurd. and that that's what makes it unexpected too, right? Is yeah, yeah, well, it, okay. So I'll, I'm just going to spoil it a little bit. Of the first, I, I set up a punchline in the first chapter, right? And the punchline oh, is the punchline is okay. So it's it's about a bar. It's like legitimately is a shithole. It's based off a little bit of what I've seen in real life, but it's, it, but I, I embellish it to the nth degree, right? Right, so they fucked up water, like as in a drink of water. They fucked it up somehow, right? And that's the whole punchline. It sets it up. I set up like how terrible the beer is, the bar, because you expect all that shit in a bar like this bad. But when you drink the water, and the water is even worse than the beer, right? Like, like, <laughs> you can, like you're like, I don't even want to know. And no, that's thank the, you. right. <laughs> And that's the, that is the impression when I wrote, I actually read this out loud at uh, When Words Collide, that the, the, they did the romance, demon romance thing. Yeah. Nancy Bell is officially my hero. Just, I'm going to say that there, and if Nancy ever listens to this, she'll know why, but she's officially my hero. But the thing is, um, when you look at, when you, again, which, what you want to do is you want, like, if life is real, bad things happen. Yes. Sometimes the worst thing in like the, like, God, God, stop laughing, like kind of thing, right? Is is there, but but sometimes it's more along the lines of, um, do I put this? It's more along the lines of, you know, okay, what can be the silliest thing? What can be? What is the one thing in this situation that you would not expect to deal with? Like you, ha- I yeah. I think about it more in those terms. Right. Sometimes and I think it, that speaks to really the type of book that you're writing, right? Like John yeah. Irving writes that really it's serious. It's heavy fiction. It's something that I don't want to read. That's not something I enjoy reading. Whereas you're writing potentially kind of silly, kind of strange urban fantasy, like fantasy. It's going to yeah. be, you're, you're looking for something different. I'm writing romance or rom-com 
it can't be super terrible and heavy. Like if the worst thing is someone dying, someone can't die. Like that's nobody, that's not what you're picking this book up for, right? Yeah. It's the, you want, you want those absurd, those worst, those weird things that are going to set that character off yeah. on a track that they were not planning on going on. And the reader's going to go, Ooh, what's going to happen next? Because that's what keeps the reader turning pages. Yeah. That's not to say that I, I should say that's not to say that see I like occasionally throwing something serious inside a story and a yes. story like this because it 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 adds so comedy wise Terry Pratchett's one of my favorite reads right and the reason why I like Pratchett so much is because Pratchett has this ability sometimes to say something I think great comedy says something profound every once in a while mm-hmm. yep right um Pratchett was really good at that. Like, yeah. like some, sometimes, um, really good at it. Like, again, one of my favorite stories is, um, it's called sorcery or Eric. Right. And then it, okay. it comes, it comes off like the, t- he makes fun of the whole Percival thing, like the whole Percival saves the day thing. So the dragon wins and the whole thing's set up. Like you don't even see the hero come on screen. The hero just goes in, gets his ass whooped and, and, and the dragon wins. But then the book, then it had the book has a legitimate serious moment in there. And that is now that people are sacrificing people to the dragon because the dragon wants them to. And it made people afraid. One of the most profound things like in that I've ever read was in that next moment when I realized like when people are scared, they do terrible things to each other and they are capable Mm -hmm. of it and they will. And that was from a, this is from a comedy book. And that's like right smack dab, that ugly little truth is right yep. in there and you're like okay yeah not only not only is this not only is this funny for the most part i'm not thinking i'm not thinking about the world i'm seeing the world in a very that's the thing right like you when you when you're playing with all these expectations with what a reader has one of the things you gotta look at is okay can you do the un, the unexpected sometimes is what the reader doesn't always want to see but can you do it in a way that the reader will be like, I can see why it's here. Yep. Well, so if you look behind me, I have these stacks of romance novels. Almost all of these have been published in the last five years. Yep. They deal with issues of abandonment, of anxiety, chronic illness. Um, there's pregnancy loss in a few of them and the traumatic ramifications of that. And yet they're all still funny and yep. lighthearted for most of it. And they all have emotionally satisfying happily ever afters but they still delve into these some of these really heavy topics but they do it in such a way that is unexpected and yet at the same time done with a gentle touch yeah and it's delightful like they they deal with racism and bigotry and misogyny and yet they're still romance novels and they're light and fluffy reads but they're not right and that's the that's the magic of fiction that's done really well is we can just we can explore these heavier topics in a way that is a lot easier for different types of people depending on what they want or need to then process right and go oh I didn't think of that right the top the top left corner of your of your your top right is actually interesting to me because I've interviewed Marissa Mayer and I see you're a big Marissa Mayer fan yes that's my that's my Marissa Mayer my my Marissa shelf yes I saw I still haven't read um oh shoot what's it called cursed I haven't read cursed or cursed I'm not sure how she pronounces it yet I've interviewed her on the show she's fun that's awesome yeah Yeah. she seems like an absolutely delightful human 
No, she, 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 she's fun. She's really, really fun. She, uh, there is a clip on my YouTube channel because the first time we tried the interview, like everything went wrong mm-hmm. on my end from StreamYard. Oh was, no. It was me, my, it was me, Marissa Mayer and my doppelganger on screen at the same time. You can literally watch that clip. It's our last, it was last time we tried docket. It, it's like, this, this is not, this is not how this is supposed to go. She was really gracious though and gave me another shot to interview her. So she, no, she, she's fun. She was a lot of fun. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. You can go look up my, my YouTube channel if you want to catch that conversation and also that clip. So um, there's my, there's my shameless cheap plug for the, for the, for the day. Hey, but, hey, you got to do it. You got to do oh, it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, no, like, like I said, like, that's the thing, like, like, like fiction fiction can't be one dimensional and that's the real secret like like i i think i think the the whole thing is you can be funny but also profound you can be happy but also kind of tragic right because life like life isn't just one magical flavor of ice cream i wish it was sometimes we all do but it's it's not it's a smorgasbord right and There's variety, like so. The book I'm 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 writing was uh, it's an urban fantasy. That's what it is. I'm I'm gonna like I, it's an urban fantasy, old school pulp, but it's got humor in it. It, it it's got kind of a magic system, kind of, right, right. It it kind of, but it also kind of has a romance story, it has a love story. It's also a, it's like it's also a, it's got a bit of a biography to aspect of it too. Not mine, but the characters, right. It's not any one thing it's a bunch of things and once you realize like that's the real secret it's about taking the pieces of the stories you're telling right and figuring out now if you're a really smart artist you're going to realize that you're putting yourself in each and every one of these stories mm-hmm. and that's and that's i think the really tricky part is the really successful artist in period i don't care who you are have figured out a way to be vulnerable in the best of ways in a way that people are receptive to them, right? And I don't care if it's your Lana Andrews, I don't care if it's Taylor Swift, I don't care if it's Eminem, I don't care if it's, um, uh, you know, let's, let's pick a comic book person, uh, Raven Gregory, I don't care if it's like Dirk Manning, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter who you are. At some point, you have to put yourself on the page in a way that people can connect to. And if you can do that, you'll find success. Well, and that's, I'm just, I'm writing, I'm writing notes and thoughts. Uh, (laughs) Making you think? Well, I'm just thinking, I'm like, that's, that's why so often people get so emotionally attached to books, right? And if they, they give a book to someone to read and say, read this, I loved it. And their friend didn't love it. It's crushing because that person has so often connected to something that that author has put into that book right I, yeah no i have I have a buddy we have very similar book tastes like our like our book tastes are similar there are some differences though right and we will talk about but it's not we figured out that it's not disrespectful so it never gets to like 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 it's just for example and i say this with all respect i've said this on the show a few times i think neil gaiman's a great author but i don't connect with him as well as i connected with other authors i just don't mm-hmm. right and so um and it's not because he's bad i can like i can read him and see why people could get him like i yeah. i i i i totally see it it's just not 
mean right now? I say that, of course, in spite of the fact that right now, uh, I mean, I'm reading a Neil Gaiman comic book right now. His comics I connect to more than his novels. I, I, I'm not quite sure why exactly, but it just seems to work that way. Um, but even so, like, each book's going to hit us differently, right? I can't feel the same yep. thing. Like, books that, that um, like, I think of, like, what makes, like, these towering, best-selling books such a um, wonderful, rare thing is because it's hard to get a book to make everybody, that makes everybody feel relatively the same way or relatively in the same ballpark at the very least, right? So whether it's, you know, you look at, say, a Brandon Sanderson novel, or actually, I should be perfectly blunt, like if we're talking like the best sellers in, in fiction, it's the romance genre by a shot, okay? Romance readers read fast, um, and they read a lot. And a lot of romance readers have done, or romance writers have done a great job of creating interconnected series yes. where readers can jump in at any point in the series and they don't have to read the books in order. But there's always a couple characters that filter through everything. So there's, oh, I want this person's series. I want this person's book. I want this person's book. And it's delightful because if you pick up a book in an inter, like in a chronological series, if you pick up book four, you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Right. But in romance novels, you can pick up book seven of a 12 book series and you can dive right in. And then you can go back and you can read them all out of order. And they're just, they're delightful. And it's so fun because you get to go, oh, I really liked that character when they were, you know, the person in the coffee shop. That was a really fun interaction with them. They have a book of their own. Cool. I want to jump on that. I want to read yeah. their story. Absolutely. Right. And that's the, that's the whole, um, but again, they're great at that, but I mean, it's also like, that's probably the most voracious appetite, right? Is, is, yeah. is, is the romance, is the romance genre. And so that's, if that's the case, if that's the um, reality of the situation, then you know what you get, like, there's something about what romance does with people that probably connects the most. Now, now, again, it, it might be hitting the same emotion, the same base emotion, right? It might, maybe, maybe it's the characters, maybe it's something else. But that idea, but that connection is is very, very, very pronounced in those genres. And mm -hmm. it, that's, that's what you're going for. And the people that do it really, 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 really well, right, find something that connects with them, I think, on the inside um but also something that people like that i think it's it's a double combination it's got to be true to you but it also has to be like something that everybody can kind of relate to in some way yeah well and that's like every romance novel um well every novel really has some kind of a point or theme right whether it's really prominent or not there's some kind of thread going through that this is what this novel is trying to tell us about the world mm -hmm. and the more cliche you get with those the easier they are to write in one on one side, right? To figure it out. But like romance novels, it's it's very often like love conquers all. Fear, you know, like fear gets in the way of true love and, and things like that, which so many of those, we can all connect with those ideas, those needs to be that that need to be loved, that need to be cared for, that need to be seen by the people around us, right? And to be just valued for who we are without having to be something to someone to earn our love right 
And that's what romance novels do. And that's why so many people love to read them because they leave us with that reminder of, I can be who I am. I am lovable as I am, no matter what shit is in my closet that I keep trying to like shove under the bed and ignore. I'm still love. I'm still lovable and I can still be loved and find love. Yeah. Well, actually, that that's the thing. Like, I, I've learned this life that sooner or later the shit in the closet has to be dealt with. You can't put it under the blankets forever. <laughs> yes. But- and that's that's the other great thing, right? Because in these romance novels, that happily ever after doesn't happen until that shit's been dealt with. Yeah. Right. And it but shows I, us that we can deal with it, but we're still lovable before that. Right. Oh, 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 no, yeah, I, I think. Well, this is something I think just as, even as an adult, we we ha- we realize like I think a part of the journey of life is is that is to find peace with yourself, whatever that looks like, right? Yeah. And we all make mistakes, we all do things, and we kind of we kind of look at ourselves and go, well, what what the fuck? Why did we do it this way, right? Um, yeah. At the same time, at the same time, um, you know, you, you, it's that willingness to face the work the things about ourselves we don't love or are uncomfortable with those are the those are the moments that kind of define who we are as people and i i don't that's not even just fiction i think that's reality i think at some point in our lives we all have to come face to face with ourselves and i think the one thing about fiction the one thing i think fiction in general doesn't matter what genre does is for the most part we can win against ourselves we sometimes we lose we won't win every battle but we can win the war right and that's the and that's the um hope for all of us i think at some point in this in life right yeah um for example like i've interviewed shit that i can literally say over a thousand people now and one of the biggest things biggest things i've watched with authors in general is that fear of failure that fear of rejection when they start, but also that fear of success, right? It, it's it's dealing with the layers of change. I think the biggest challenge when you do anything like this is if you are serious about going all the way, like making this a living, making this a like a part of your life, you're gonna have to change. That's just it's the nature of the beast. You've got to make decisions on what that looks like for you and how it changes. And nothing wrong with whatever choices you make, but I think that I think encountering this moment, that moment of realization that you've got to change what you're doing, who you are, that that is terrifying for a lot of creatives. And I feel like like I think one of the things about the industry today, why the industry in some degree is is the way it is, is. Um, I think there has never really been an open, honest, like come to Jesus points like, hey, listen, if you're serious about doing this, along the way, if you're serious about putting yourself out there, you have to be comfortable being out there. And that means that you're going to be vulnerable in a way you never anticipated before. Do you really want that? I think I feel like that's something that we need to talk about with so many different careers, right? Like how many people want to be musicians or actors or athletes? And in all of those, right? It's the, even if it's a very minor level of fame, you still have to put yourself out there, right? And when it comes to 
creative work, it's that whole other level of here's this precious thing that I have spent so much time and energy and poured so much of myself into. Read it and I I hope you like it, right? Which is just a whole other level of vulnerability. Like I've worked with people who they want to be a writer and they want to publish, but they've never, ever given anyone else the opportunity to read something they've written. And that's the hurdle that we have to get through is that fear of being seen and that fear of being seen as a fraud sometimes is also it or being challenged to reconsider what their art is. I, I feel the fraud thing comes later. It comes later. It doesn't really come in the beginning. The beginning is who's going to want to read my stuff or who's going to want to see it, depending on what what you are, right? I think the fraud, I think where you feel you're a fraud, and I speak from this from like this, is because we're, we're dealing with there is imposter syndrome. I feel is when we start to get noticed is when that really pops its head up. Because I, I think it, I think that's definitely when it intensifies. But yeah. um, there's also the the people who spend all this time and money and energy and they're like, but then I read, go back and I read back my stuff and I don't think it's any good. So maybe I'm just not any good and I shouldn't even bother with continuing trying to do this. And they, and it's like, no, let's, let's look at this. Let's figure this out because again, we're our own worst critics. And I feel like that imposter syndrome steps in sometimes at the very beginning, especially for people who if other things in life have come easily to them and suddenly this doesn't, it's hard. And I was one of those kids where so many things were easy, right? And then suddenly when things aren't, you're like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't even bother. Maybe I'm no good at this, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I I was one of those kids too. Um, so I, I, know, I know what you're talking about there. I, I think, hmm. I'll put it like this. I think I think with in terms of let's say the that whole thing, athletes and art and artists are identical in practically every way, right? Except for like in the, right, the the final challenge. So an athlete, it, athletics is truly a meritocracy. Like 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 it is truly a meritocracy. And there are advantages like if you if you're like doing a sport in Canada versus doing a sport in the United States. United States is a lot more tools for an athlete to really develop than here. Not to say it's impossible here, but it's harder, right? I'm just saying like it's not every not every playing field's level. But there comes a point in this, like, okay, you're doing all the work you can, you're doing all the practicing you can, and you're and you're good. You're, you're really good. But how do you stand up? Let, let, but like, let's say the NHL, like hockey, because we're Canadian. There's what, two hundred athletes maybe in the NHL, maybe three hundred, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's not a lot. Not Not a lot, 300 people, maybe 300. Even the worst player in that group is amazing. Like unbelievable. I work at a hockey, like I work at the saddle dome as in my side. Okay. So I get to watch. So during like pre, like like I'm there before the game starts and I get to some, and sometimes, so um, what my favorite, my favorite thing about watching it is I get to usually see the visiting team more so than the home team. Home teams kind of got their own little private little alcove, most more than most part. But I get to watch them warm up, like play soccer, do things. I once saw a player from the Philadelphia Flyers doing his hand-eye coordination, like exercise with the ball. And then to finish, the, like himself, he takes the balls and starts juggling, 
just because he could. And just watched him. I watched him for a minute. I actually told him that is legitimately one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Like, like, okay, like, like, because it was just, it was amazing to watch. Right there, like, that's, that's a cool part about my, that's probably the coolest part about my job is I get to see all these, like, really amazing people. Like, sometimes you just run into them in the oddest of spots, and we're all here. So we're all, like, you can just look and be, like, amazed. <laughs> um, but for an athlete, you might not, like, that's 300. That, that guy's really good. He got there. How many people like him, maybe just an inch or two worse than him, are not yep. there? Like athletics are like athletics is the ultimate meritocracy. That's the biggest difference between athletics and art. Athletics, there's definitely a gap. Art's a harder one to measure, like a much harder one to measure because, okay, I may not actually be as talented as you are, but I might sell more. So am I better? Am I luckier? Like I, that's that's a harder one. That's a harder. Did you have one a bigger play. marketing budget or b- yeah. better marketing plan? Yeah. Right, like that's the yeah. thing, right? Like yeah. art doesn't necessarily sell on its quality. Yeah, always, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like art's not a meritocracy. It, it 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 or if it is, it's not the same kind of meritocracy. It's, Athletic, it's so subjective. It's yeah, so yeah. subjective. Yeah. So that's the big difference between the two. But in every other way, they're the same in every other way because you're you're doing the practice the discipline the work whatever that looks like for for your for your discipline mm-hmm. and that's it it takes incredible discipline self-sacrifice and what if you're not good enough like whatever if it doesn't work right that's a terrifying thought like that's that that is a very terrifying thought and then it works right then it because you feel like so maybe there i can see what you're saying maybe feeling like fraud a little bit there right? Was it for nothing? No, it's just, it's life's just a cruel and unfair place. Sometimes you can be great. If you're an athlete, there might just be somebody better and that sucks. Or maybe you get injured at the wrong time. If you're an artist, you might not catch on at the right time. Timing is all that has a lot to do with it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, time, the right timing and suddenly you're, 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 you're in a stratosphere you've never imagined. Then again, maybe, that book you wrote 20 years ago, suddenly one day someone picks it up. It's like, holy shit, this is the most amazing thing ever. And you're like, why couldn't you have done this 20 years ago? <laughs> right? right? But that, that's the one thing art arts does have over athletics is, you know, there's no time until when a work can become successful. Mm-hmm. But so much of that, there's a little bit of luck and timing with that. Oh, as well. definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something that as writers, we have to keep in mind, right? Like we are writing this thing because we have a story that we want to tell. And if we we want to get it on, we want to see it on bookshelves. We want to hear people talking and know that people enjoy it. That's awesome. But the accomplishment in is having written the book, mm-hmm. right? And having created, that's the accomplishment. Everything else is awesome and extra if it can happen, especially if you want to be able to pay your bills with it. And, but that's a whole other part of the writing journey is actually like, going through the publishing and the marketing and selling, like when you talk to people, whether or not they're traditionally or indie published, being an author is a business. There's writing and then there's book selling. And it's two different jobs, which I think is also something that so many people who are trying to get into writing and publishing, they don't quite understand that 
if if you want your book on that bestseller shelf at Chapters or Barnes and Noble or Target, you have to actually do two different jobs. You have to write the book and then you have to get it out there and tell people about it and talk about it. And it's that's a whole other hard thing with a whole other level of imposter syndrome. Well, yeah, it's like, please buy my book. And it's like, I, so my, my, so you want to talk about ultimate imposter syndrome. The first time I had to sell my books, like the first time I really learned how to sell my books was in Phoenix, Arizona. So Phoenix had this, uh, has this event called first Friday, or at least they did where artists in all, all over the city would gather like, in, like, in, in a, like a bunch of blocks. It's not like first Friday here, uh-uh. There, it's like a giant show. Like it's just like it's just so much cool. is out there. Oh, it's 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 night and day. So much bigger. A lot of people diss the states, but the one thing the United States does better than Canada by a significant margin is they know how to platform, put people on a platform to go out there. Like they they get that so well. It's the one thing the Americans do better than anybody else. Period. And um, right. It, it's it's the so I'm so first night I'm out there I wasn't ready just didn't have I didn't have proper equipment so I just wasn't like you just even a table you need a table for that so next time I get a table go out there put my um so I put my books down so beside me there are some of the most amazing pieces of art I've ever seen in my life like some of them just phenomenal uh, one month I was there, I was there beside st- like stained glass windows, some of the most beautiful stained glass windows you've ever seen. And Very a concert, cool. and a fuck, and legitimately a concert was right beside me. I'm just like, so I, I had to learn very quickly to, to, to talk. Like I have a big yes. mouth. I have a big mouth. It's a skill. I'm proud of it. I even gotten awards for it. So I have a big mouth it serves so well like the the hardest thing is like you, you like i i i say it i say this in in like the most loving way artists have to get have to get over themselves in the sense that okay you are selling a product whether you like it or not you are selling a product the product truthfully is you but oh 100 percent. but but the but the other part of that is the other the other part of that is um it's the work, it's the work you have that it's going to bring people to you. So and I say it like that so that people get, get the basic idea. It's like the book you're selling right now is your current way of supporting you, which is your, you're the product. This is their current way. And you have to constantly update that. And that's always a challenge. Um, whether it's a podcast like myself or a book I've written or, or a book you've written or a coaching sale you have or a way to recruit people. Like you can't stand Pat, but you got to get over the fact that, well, if you don't say anything and you're the one that I'm supposed to care about, well, you're the one that you're supposed to care about you the most. If you're not going to stand up for yourself, no one else is gonna. That's just the way it is. And that's... Mm -hmm the hardest lesson, but also the truest one. And once you understand that, you can sell. You're actually ready to sell. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's a hard lesson for a lot of people to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Because so often we are told not to bother other people, not to, you know, talk about ourselves too much right and just realizing that no like i am the product to sell and i'm worth it i'm a big professional wrestling fan like i'm a big one and 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 
my favorite stuff, my favorite, my legitimate, my favorite stuff is like the old interviews back in the eighties, like that, like, so not so much the wrestling, the wrestling's better today, but the, but, but, but the, the, so me and Gene Okerlund would have a microphone. He'd be interviewing these guys about their, their match at this, because back then it was, they would try to get people to come to the arenas and pay to watch these guys wrestle. So that's, that was the big, that was the business model back then. So these guys would be like, and, and some of these guys were really good. Like my favorite all time was Macho Man Randy Savage. Everybody knows who that guy is. It's like, like, like he's almost like, right? And, but he was doing this stuff back in the 80s. And you watch what he was doing and you were just like, this is the most absurd shit I've ever seen. But he made no apologies about it, right? And he talked tens of th- hundreds of thousands, millions of people to go into the arena to watch him do his thing. Right. That's how you made money. You can't you, you, you have to be unapologetic about the fact that, you know what, this is like you have to have enough of an ego to go, hey, I do matter. The work I do matters. I'm worth something and I have to go out there and I have to say it. Now, I'm not saying you dress up like they did and, and do it. I mean, if you're comfortable with that, go for it. I mean, you guys yeah. decide what that looks like for you. But you can't be afraid to just go out there and say, here I am. And I, I mean, when I made the decision to um, make this like my full, like my main source of income and living, I threw away the, I threw away my, my uh, um, quote unquote, my dignity in the sense that I, I am no problem talking about myself. Maybe a little too much sometimes, right? But, but for what I'm doing, it's better that than not saying anything at all. Because mm-hmm. very rarely does a talent exist that that will be enough. Yeah. Well, and it's it's being open to like in whatever it is you're creating, whatever it is you're selling, we all need to make money. Mm-hmm. And just because we're making something that is creative, um, a book, a podcast, poetry, artwork, whatever it is that we're creating, just because it's creative and maybe it's something that we enjoy doesn't mean that we aren't, we don't deserve to be paid for the work that we're creating. We're doing because it is work, right? Even talking to people on podcasts, doing all the arranging, getting it up there, telling people about it. That's work. Right. And so many people, like most, everybody knows we all need money, right? Like let's throw out this like concept of, we can't talk about money. Everybody needs money. We all got to, we all got to buy groceries. We all got to buy you know, roofs over our heads. So stop it. And let's just exchange the money we have and buy the services and the creative stuff that we have so that people can keep creating. Because if we don't pay our creators, if if creators don't ask for money for compensation for the creating they're doing, guess what? We're not going to be able to keep creating. I've actually that, and that leads to the other big and wonderful thing. See, I no longer care about being published. I, I, and I, I want to say it like this. I don't care about prestige. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of ego stroke, I have completely tried to eliminate from my life. Okay. Right? Now, I want to be paid for what I do. There's a difference, right? That's a different, that's a completely different ego stroke, right? I, I, I and, but the thing is, I realized like for me, and I, right, awards are nice. Being in cool places is nice. How much? Right? That 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 that's really like 
it might sound very callous, but one thing I, I again I say it like this. One of the biggest compliments you can give somebody is to pay them for their work. Mm-hmm. It's yep. literally the biggest compliment you can give somebody. Is well, it's one of them. It's definitely I would say in the top three. Right. Um, there are a couple other ones depending on the connection you have with the individual that are bigger, but that one, like as far as like strange, that that's the biggest one, the biggest compliments you can get. I do not mind that my work. I again, I don't mind prestige, but I feel that's more of a byproduct of what I'm doing. That's not the goal. That's not why you're creating. Yeah. Right. It's not why you're doing what you're doing is to try and get prestige and become famous. No, it's because you love the work that you're doing and the stories that you're telling and you, you know, the value that you are creating and giving into the world. Right. Yep. And I just look at the any of that stuff as a byproduct of what I'm doing. Not a, not the, not the goal of what I'm doing. I think a lot of, that's the other thing too. A lot of authors get that mixed up. Right. Um, it's not about the prestige of writing. Like I, I would love to be on the New York Times bestselling list. I'd want to lie to you. But if that's your only goal, you're probably going to end up being disappointed. Yeah. And also, I'm probably, and and, and I'm also, I mean, there are some really easy ways to accomplish it. I want to be paid for it. That's the other thing, too. Like, I'm like, if I'm getting what I feel I'm worth, and my, let's say it's for a publishing house, they're getting what they're worth, that'll come, right? Or or I'll be so, or, or, or even better, I don't need any of that stuff to do well. That's even that's even the bigger, bigger dream, right? Like all that to other stuff is nice. But the idea of I'm doing what I'm doing, what I love, and I'm getting paid for it. That is the ultimate high. I mean, talk about mm-hmm. that. All right, talk about the ultimate self-affirming, self-effacing. Like, like, again, folks, I'm not going to lie. I have a big ego. But... I need one, right, right, and and I and I say it like that because if I did not think I was worth something, I would never be doing this. I would never yeah. be making the money I'm making today, doing what I'm doing. It doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. It happens because I have the confidence to go out there and get it. That's that's it. It sounds simple, but that's not it's not always simple. <laughs> But I mean, it's not easy, I should say. It is simple, but it's not easy. You, you have, to, again, at the end of the day, this is very much a game of self-belief. It very much is. You're a book coach, tangibly speaking, right? You're basically, I'll make your stories better. But there are some people who will listen to that and go, I don't know if I need you. And you're like, okay. You got the confidence to go, okay, that's cool. Have a good one. Well, my... My job isn't necessarily to make your story better. Mine is to help you make your story match what it is in your head. My job is to help my writers actually get that story down instead of being like, I want to write and then not doing it, right? Because everything else gets in the way. But when you've paid for someone to help you and they're sitting there asking you questions and helping you, forcing you to kind of dig into, okay, so this is this is your story you're telling. Why? Yeah. Why? Why is this important? Why is this character doing this? Why is this character saying this? Why are you telling this story? Let's dig into that. Let's talk about it. And then your story get your story gets those layers and that 
depth that makes it into this incredible story that you had in the back of your head, but you hadn't been able to get it out. And I help, I help my clients get it out and get it down onto the page so that the rest of us can read it. And that's what's so fun, right? And I get to encourage my clients and give them that confidence that this is worth their time, that their story is worth sharing. And it's it's so fun to see when those light bulbs go on and when they get excited about the story again after getting discouraged. And, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's the best job ever, I got to say. I love, love my job. Yeah. But I mean, you didn't get there overnight. And, and, and the hard thing was, like, again, probably convincing yourself more than even convincing other people that you could- Oh, yeah. Like, I... I started freelancing, working with other authors six, eight years ago. I don't even know how long. And it was, you know, a project here, a project there and slowly figuring it out and trying to figure out what, what, what are my skills? What really do I have to offer these clients, these authors? How can I, how can I help them? And it took me all this time until just the last like six, eight months before I finally started to really figure it out. Oh. And I'm it's I'm still figuring it out, really. But I finally kind of narrowed in more okay. on what it is so that I can really help people yeah. make their dreams come true, get those stories down. And it's it's delightful. Like one of my clients, I worked with her in February, and in July she signed with a literary agent who is like such a perfect fit for her. And this agent has the most amazing vision for her book. And I am so excited. Like I have no doubt that in the next six months, that book is going to sell to a big five publisher. I have no doubt. And I'm so excited that I got to be just a tiny little part of that. And, and that's the goal, right? That's, that's the goal. But ultimately, ultimately, like, again, it's, it was the confidence click, right? You figuring out your skill set, like me, like where I'm at my freelance career, I can do a little bit of everything. Right. Right. I, I write, I, I make an ass of myself. I'm good at that, as you can tell. And, um, but I also been drawing, doing commission work. I'm trying some stuff. I'm just like, but again, narrowing it in, narrowing my focus is just like, I've been trying to get into advertising, but for whatever reason that that's been hard. So like, people are like, I don't want, I don't want to be able to sell all my books, but you kind of have to, but you know, but again, that's where I'm at, like convincing people to value the work, right? Mm-hmm. More than anything else. But I also realize like my niche seems to be this like this this the, yeah. everything else everything i'm doing everything extending from that has been a result of this yeah so. well and that's part of freelancing part of creating as well and is it's iterative right you just keep trying different things until you figure out okay what works yeah. and then if it stops working you try something else and you just keep trying to figure out what do you enjoy what works what provides value what brings in income what you know, fits in this, this circle of, you know, I love doing it. It brings in the income I need to pay my bills and it provides the value that other people need. Like, and when you can find that thing that's in the middle, right. That covers all of those. It's just, it's delightful, but it takes time and work to get there. Absolutely. And that's why I'm still working after the flames, ladies and gentlemen, at least, but at least it's on, it's, it's the secondary income, not the primary one. So. Well, that, that's the thing, right? Like having those, those, 
layers of recognizing that, you know, some things are going to be primary and some things are going to be secondary and that's okay. It doesn't mean one is more important than the other. It's just having that clear understanding of which one needs to be prioritized right now. Right. Well, yeah. Like for me right now, I'm trying, I'm trying to get ready for um, uh, like taking my show officially on the road. That's yes. That's so exciting. Yeah. Well, that means I may have to actually go back and do a date. Like we'll, we'll see how things work out. I like, I'm really torn because for me, it's like I could go get a day job and I know I could get the money up real quick that way, but I don't actually know if it's the healthy. See, here's my, here's my challenge, right? I'm on the road. I'm going to like, it'd be much better if I could literally make, get to the, the freelance equivalent of making money at will, right? Using my skills to get myself trade. Well, if I'm doing, if I'm working a full-time job, Right. If I'm working a full time job, um, I'm not I'm not improving those skills. So when the money runs down the road, what happens? Right. I'm going to have to stop park somewhere and 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 work. I can. And, and that might still happen from time to time anyway. But I don't I don't mind that if it's once in a while. But that's but not I, the dream to be doing that regularly. No, 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 no. So the dream is, OK. I, I use my big mouth, my creative skills to make money while I'm on the road. That way I don't really have to worry about it. So if I decide that I want to be in, say, Hawaii, maybe not right this minute, but it won't be that way ever for, forever, right? Say I'm in Hawaii. Well, then I can be in Hawaii. Or say I'm in San Diego. I'm like, I, I can be in San Diego. Or if I want to be in Vancouver, I can be in Vancouver, although I'm probably not Vancouver. Um, maybe Kelowna, but right, maybe, maybe But she's laughing. But um, hey, I I love both Vancouver and Kelowna, so I'll be in I, either. I, I I've lived in Vancouver. I like visiting Vancouver. Vancouver is a yeah. great place to visit. I don't know, but I wouldn't live there twice. I just I've done it. I wouldn't do it again. If that makes sense. Yeah, I lived I lived in the Lower Mainland, not right in Vancouver, but my brother lives in North Bend. Okay. So I've been there. Yeah. North End's lovely. No, the North End's very lovely. Very, very lovely. I really liked it. I I lived right near um downtown. So Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's that's a busy place to be. Well, it, it wasn't bad. I okay, so I'm I am i am talking about Vancouver real quick. I'm not gonna say it too. Anybody not from born and raised in the city that was coming in like like I was just trying to do their thing. Yeah, I got I got them. The people that have been there for an, a certain amount of time, it, it was different. We'll just leave it at that. It was different. It was like I think you've not seen the rest of the world somehow. Some I, I feel like in some ways, Vancouver, Toronto, and New York are all very similar in that way. Yeah, of the people who are born and raised there see that city as the center of the world. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty funny when you are not one of those people and they just, they don't get it. They just don't understand why you would ever want to be anywhere else. That, 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 that was part of it. I, I, I will say this, Vancouver maybe veered a little bit more on the eccentric side than said Toronto. I've lived in Toronto too. Oh yeah. Toronto's definitely less eccentric than Vancouver. Yes. Yeah. I've also lived in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, I, 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 how to put this. Toronto's more intense 
than Vancouver is. That 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 would be the way I would I would describe it. Um, I felt you can feel Toronto from like an hour away. Like you can just feel that city. Like even if you're just an hour around it, you can feel it. You can't do that with Vancouver, which is good. I, I, I actually think that's a good thing. I lived in Detroit as well. Detroit feels more chill than Toronto does. And that's... Yeah. Oh yeah, I could see that. Right? Yeah, you're like, yep. <laughs> Not even gonna... Like, some of you will, will hear me say that and they go, really? It's like, yeah. No, no, no. No, really. Like, like yeah, Detroit's got... A dark side but it's not it's chill in comparison yeah. toronto's toronto's not chill at all no no, no you have no. it takes a certain like again i don't mind visiting it like visiting i i loved it there was parts of toronto that i absolutely loved but it was so far like my family is all over here my family's in alberta my family's in bc and so it was just it was too far away and there was yep. so much concrete and like I grew up in Alberta where we have big sky and we have fields and we have green and mountains. you didn't get that in Toronto in no, Toronto you, you can't see the sky half the time there's concrete everywhere and I didn't love it yeah and if you're one of the poor areas of the city you get treated accordingly and that's uh that's that's the unfortunate truth about that city but no like 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 uh that's that's the thing right like you, you, they all those all those three cities. I'm I'm sure LA fits in this category as well. It's like they they're they're unique little bottles. But people go there because they're they're things they need to go, and that's great. Yeah. And and it works out great for some people. Now that all said, like I said, for me and my travels, I I I do see myself probably eventually ending up in some kind of small town. Mm-hmm. like somewhere in the middle somewhere over the rainbow way up high i don't know where exactly but that's that's kind of how i see it because i kind of come to the point like one of the real the reasons i'm doing this like i'm leaving the the twitch era here is i don't mind being on the computer i don't want to be on it quite as much there's there, there's a lot of life and magic out in the world i kind of want to be a part mm-hmm. of it for a little while yeah if that makes sense that makes sense one thing is too you can always come back yeah. Right. I, if I, if you realize you don't want to be out in the real world, you can come back. Yeah. I I, I don't I, I don't know if I'm gonna come back to living. The 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 nail in the coffin for me, honestly, was San Diego. I went to San Diego Comic Con like this year, right before I went okay. to one words collide. Yeah. Even ignoring the con, like we just ignore the con, because con's like a special occasion. I had more human interaction in San Diego in like a week than Calgary in a year. Like it, that's like Calgary is a very insular city. We all stay in our homes. We don't go out and interact with people all that much. Yeah. And, and I just realized like that, that to me at this point to death now, it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not where I am in my life though. Maybe when I'm 60, I'm not, all right. Uh, I'll be that old man yelling at crowds and to get off my lawn. Like yeah, I, 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 maybe, maybe. Eh, maybe not. I, don't maybe, so. I, I, I picture you more as the guy who's out there handing out water balloons to all the kids and encouraging them to go get in trouble. Yeah. I, yeah. I joke I'll probably be a supervillain by the time I'm 50. I'll have an obnoxious red cape. Talk, I won't talk to myself in the third person. I may not. I, I won't go quite that far, but I may have someone carrying my obnoxious cape around wherever I go. It's like that. Ooh, the, I like this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I, I've always been a sucker for this. Like, I, have you ever seen the character Spawn? I don't think so. Oh, just, just, just Google. Let me like, Google this. Look up Spawn, Todd McFarlane's Spawn, and look at his cape and look at how obnoxious it is. 
Because it's actually obnoxious. <laughs> she can see it i'm just like scrolling through all of these photos this is hilarious is it, there's no practical well, use like, for that case it, it's like the part of it goes up to here yeah and then like, what yeah yeah oh. it doesn't, like, like yeah you'd need you'd need it, a, like a handful of folks like helping you carry it yeah because there's no way i could walk in that but it would no. be hilarious to wear it would be absolutely hilarious to wear and the there you go, Josh. It's something that you need to aspire to. There exactly, you go. a super a super villain at the a, 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 yeah, and 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 I think the hilarious part is you could actually picture it. Yeah, I, I can picture you in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and having like two minions, a minion or two, just carrying it behind. It's like, why are you carrying? Because and they're like, can't walk on. Why is he wearing it? Because look how silly this is. How magnificent he looks. That's right. That's right, I'm compensating for something. I don't know what. <laughs> so, wrap going full circle here before we wrap up here. So you, you, you're planning on having a book come out? The goal is to, at some point, get this thing finished. I've been working on it on and off for about four years. Okay. Um, it's gone through a lot of, a lot of transformation, especially this year. Um, okay. But I think I finally kind of got it on a track figuring it out. The goal is to have a solid completed draft by the end of the year. Okay. Um, so that next year can be, you know, revisions, but it should be pretty solid. So not too many revisions, hopefully. Um, and then I'd love to try the traditional track. Um, just because that's what I've, I've known about and seen my whole life. Right. I love the idea of that. Yeah. Um, so I just want to try it. We'll see what happens. And then, decide whether or not if that doesn't happen if i want to go the indie route and figure out how to get it out into the world by myself uh, we'll see okay well i guess i'm gonna ask i'm gonna ask a big question what was the challenge like you said it took you four years what what was your biggest struggle um well biggest struggle is just everything else going on in my life okay we've had a lot of ups and downs in the last last years so yeah. it was just Writing had to take a backseat to life, and that's okay. Um, and now I'm figuring out how to reintegrate it, integrate it back into my life. Um, but, but it's yeah, getting there. Dwelling in too many details, is it all like the pandemic-related insanity, or is it just a bunch of No, other no. Um, my husband and I decided we wanted to grow our family and have some kids, um, and then we went through multiple miscarriages, a stillbirth, two years of infertility, fertility treatments, and then um, okay. I finally got pregnant with my daughter and then had, you know, the gong show of a high risk pregnancy after loss and then also having a newborn. So okay. all of that happened in about six years. Okay. No, no. I, okay. Then throw the pandemic in there as well. That was just okay. extra. Oh, oh, okay. No, no. I, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm asking like that because like, I just want to make sure I'm glad you have you. I'm glad you made it through the other side. Some of that sounds actually sounded quite brutal. <laughs> oh <laughs> so, yeah, it it was it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was quite brutal. Um, glad you got through to the other side and you didn't quit. No, because I I think the last thing we'll touch on and we'll wrap up is this: what you want ultimately at the end of the day is the important thing. And what I mean by that is, I mentioned there was three categories of writer for me, and and right, published, non-published. Uh, for you but for me it's like writing for passion writing for like this goal like writing for a particular goal 
Um, you gotta be, again, understanding that also we can all be at different parts of that tree at different points in our lives. Yeah. And I say it like that because in this particular case, um, that sounds like what happened to you. It's just like, I had other things I'd wanted to do. I wanted to accomplish first. And then this was secondary to that. Well, and, and there's also just the, and so I, I work with this with my clients as well, is sometimes life stuff has to come before your art. Yep. Sometimes that you only have so much energy to give, right? And you have to choose where you can give it. And grief, anyone who's been through grief, grief is a beast. Yes. And grief does this right so when it was when grief was up here writing couldn't happen when grief was down here i had i had the energy to write mm -hmm. and then grief right and that's that's the journey um and it's okay and one day i'm going to see my book on a bookshelf in a bookstore and it's going to be delightful um man i don't know if i actually want to say this on the air or not i'll say this off the air because there is something i wanted to say in regards to everything you, you, you went through so um, I've talked about, I, like, I, I feel like that in itself is a deep conversation. We've already gone over an hour. I, I think that, I think, we, I think going into some of what you've been through could take an easily another hour. I don't know if either of us have the time for that today. Unfortunately, I think my daughter's already waking up, so I'm yeah. going to have to go get her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we should plug something before you go. Like, sure. what do you want to plug? What do you want to plug? Um, plug my instagram if you're interested in romance novels sure um is... i my instagram is just at trisha jen reads yes so i share there about the romance novels i'm reading i share um tips for writing romance or writing authentic characters or just writing period encouragement for writers um i often have my info on subscribing to my newsletter there or my weekly writing goals service that you can sign up for for just 12 bucks a month um get a couple emails a week with some encouragement and a prompt to set your goal and the end of the week if you let me know how that went and um whether or not you met your goal you get entered into a draw to win free feedback on your pages mm -hmm. all right and that will do it folks i will be back here Thursday for sure. My guest is Martha Ray. I'm doing a drink and draw. One of my last ones on this. Well, that's a debate. I'm debating whether or not like to keep like I don't know what to do with the Twitch channel now. This is over, like coming to an end. Like I don't know whether if I should do games every so often or I I, I gotta figure that shit out. But um Martha Wade and Jag Tress, who was who commented earlier, is going to be my guest Friday. Um, as again, folks, this is we are we are coming to the end of this era. I've been I'm gonna thank Tris. Like the last member of the Susie Fedori for so I'm going to say. So for everybody watching, everybody listening, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Stay inspired. Keep shining in the dark. And I'll see you next time. Josh. Josh.